for generations, people have heard that the Lord is coming back. And we are told that he is not slack, that he's not just blazing around. But why hasn't he returned yet? What is he waiting for? Let's talk about that today on the THP Online Community Podcast. Hello, welcome to the THP Online Community Podcast. I'm Dallas, your media pastor here at The Healing Place. I'm so glad you hit the play button today on this podcast. Whether you listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, however you found us, thank you. Thank you so much for being part of our THP Online Community. Today, you're going to be hearing a powerful word from our associate pastor, Matt Marino, about the coming of the Lord. As I said in my intro, there's, there's been a lot of questions about why has the Lord not returned yet? What's taking so long? Well, there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose. And there's a very, very good and compassionate reason for it. So I want to encourage you guys to really lean in and meditate deeply on what's about to be brought to you. I believe that the message that Matt's about to bring is going to challenge you. I think it's going to encourage you. And we want to help you take your next step through this message. So do me a favor. After you listen to this message, after you take some time to pray about it, reach out to us. Let us know how it's encouraged you, challenged you, and how we can help you take your next step with your relationship with God. You can reach us at mediahub at thpstreetport.com or any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for THP Shreveport. Obviously, you can always reach out to us through our website where you can also help support the ministry of The Healing Place, thpstreetport.com. All that being said, let's get into today's message. Hey, everybody. Welcome, and thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are. Today, we're going to get right into the promise. Uh, but before we do that, if you haven't had a chance to go check out last week's promise out of John chapter 8, and then in Proverbs uh, the week before in Proverbs chapter 22, go check those out because we're going to tie those in today as well. Um, so let's get into today's promise. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Go ahead and turn there. And uh, as, as you're turning there, I have a question for you. What are some thoughts that you have when you hear the phrase, Jesus is coming? Maybe it's, yes, we are out of here as believers. We're ready to go. I'm ready to go. Maybe it's fear. You know, maybe it's just terror that comes on, depending on where, you know, how you've learned this or what you know about it. Uh, and, and then there's thoughts that are everything in between that. So we're not going to get into that necessarily, but we are, our promise today does involve the day of the Lord, and it involves the, the fact that Jesus is coming. So we want to we put that out there as we get into this uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Let's start reading it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wow, what a promise. And we're going to dissect that a little bit. We're going to take a deep dive into that. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word. God, we thank you for the promise that you are coming, Lord, that the day of the Lord is coming. And, and Lord, we know that your word is faithful. And we thank you, God, that even though we don't see an immediate impact or, or, or that expected outcome, we know that you are faithful. So, God, we want to be reminded. God, we want to be faithful. We want to be hopeful. God, we want to be ready to, to, to receive your word, God, and to be with you. And, Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we, uh, before, we, before we get into the, the promise today, I mentioned that it involves the day of the Lord and Jesus coming. 
there's some things that we need to know about Jesus and some things that we need to do before this promise, we can really understand it, before we can really understand the promise and walk this promise out. So number one is this, Jesus is a real person. We believe that. There's going to be some scriptures down and, and some notes attached to this so that you can get these scriptures because there's references for these. Uh, but number one, Jesus is a real person. Number two, his mother was a virgin at the time of his birth, and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, God himself. Number three, he lived on this earth as the literal son of God. And he was tested, he was tempted, and he was tempered for 40 days in the wilderness and, and came out with such power. He was hungry, but he came out with such power. And number four, he lived a sinless life, which made him and only him the spotless lamb of God that could pay the penalty of death for our sins. So we need to understand this. Uh, again, before we get into this prom- to our promise today, number five, he willingly died on the cross, a sinner's death, so that we could have the opportunity to spend eternity with him in heaven. And here's where we come involved. Here's where we come in and and, and we get involved. Number six, to have eternal life in heaven, each individual person, that means me, that means you, that means those who, who, everyone who's listening, your family members, uh, uh, each individual person must say yes to Jesus through faith. And as we do that, we accept his grace and we repent of our sins uh, that, that, that we have in our life. And he forgives us. And number seven is this. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we must walk out that promise of our salvation. Now, understanding that, now we can get to our promise. So maybe that's the first time you're hearing that, and you say, you know what, I I don't don't serve Jesus. We'll get to that here a little later, and we'll give you an opportunity to make that decision. So that's getting the, the, the horse before the cart. We wanted to make sure to get those things in order. So... In Peter, in 2 Peter, Peter's warning Christians about false teachers. There's, there's all kinds of things that are being taught about Jesus. There's things that are being said about him. There's things that are being said about this new way. And Peter, as, as one of the apostles, is setting the record straight. And, he, and in chapter 3, he not only continues to teach about false prophets and warn against those, but he, he starts by reminding us and giving us hope and telling us to be ready. So that's where we want to pick up in uh, reading that promise. Uh, we're we're going to start off actually in 2 Peter chapter 1 to get the context of this. So if you're there, read along with me. Verse 1 says this, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of, uh, by way of reminder. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Be reminded. That's number one. I believe, I believe that Peter teaches us these principles about Jesus in this, uh, this passage we're going to talk about today. And he starts by telling us to be reminded. So write that down. Verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles walking of the apostles of the Lord Jesus, our Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own flesh, our own lusts, and saying, quote, where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were 
in the beginning uh, of creation. Now, let's set the stage here. Peter, again, he's talking about these, these people who are coming in and trying to stir up stuff. They're teaching some wrong things. They're telling uh, people that Jesus didn't exist, that nothing has changed. So what are scoffers? Scoffers are people who mock and they make fun of people. Maybe, you've, maybe someone's been a scoffer uh, about your, the things that you say, your testimony, maybe the things that you tell them about Jesus. Because a scoffer specifically hones in on the religious and moral values. That's, that's really what that, how that's defined. And as we, as we deal with uh, people who attack our faith, uh, I believe that Peter sets us up and tells us, hey, listen, I just want to remind you of these things because people are going to come against your faith. In verse 5, let's pick up there in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. For this they willfully forgot. Willfully forgot. I don't know how that's possible. But I think that they told themselves so much that these things didn't happen that over time they willfully forgot that by the word of God the heavens were the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. What's that referring to? It's referring to creation. In verse 6, by which the world uh, that then existed perished being flooded with water. What's that talking about? It's talking about the great flood. Noah and the ark. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What's that talking about? Well, that's talking about our promise today, the coming of the Lord. And, and, and he's setting this up. Peter points out that the scoffers chose to forget about the creation and, and the beginning of the world, Genesis chapter 1. They chose to forget about the flood, which many of us know these stories in Genesis chapter 6, the flood. And then they chose to forget about the judgment that's coming for those who don't love and serve Jesus. So there's a distinct difference between those who listen to false teachers and those who listen to the Lord. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to, tie, we're going to start to tie in all the, last, the, the two promises prior to this one uh, with one passage. And we're going to find that in Proverbs chapter 29. So go ahead and turn over there. And we're going to start with basically what Peter is talking about uh, to our, uh, uh, in, our, in our promise in chapter 1 and going down to, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3 starting in verse 1 to 4. He talks about scoff scoffers. So let's start there in, in Proverbs 29, verse 8. Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. Maybe you've experienced that. Someone who just does not accept Jesus, they have no desire whatsoever to, to uh, hear what you're saying. It doesn't matter what you say to them, whether they laugh, right, or whether they rage, there is no benefit. Verse 10, the bloodthirsty hate the blameless. Are you catching these juxtapositions here where those who serve the Lord are different from those who listen to false teachers and don't serve the Lord. But the upright seek his well-being. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And, and I think this is really important. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. So let's start to tie in the last couple of promises. What was, the, what was last week's promise? John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus is the light of the world, right? Proverbs chapter 
29, verse 13, continuing on in that passage, it says the poor man and the, and the oppress, oppressor have this in common. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. Jesus is the light of the world, John chapter 8 says. He is the light of the world. Verse 14, the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Amen. What was the promise before that one? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child on the way he should go. This is why this is important. We started off in Proverbs 29 in verse 8, talking about the outcome of children who have not been raised and served the Lord. And he continues in verse 15 of Proverbs chapter 29. It says this. Uh, they rob and rebuke. The, the, they give uh, wisdom. But the child, but a child left to, his, uh, to himself brings shame to his mother. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked are multiplied, transgressions increase. But the righteous will see the fall. Now he starts to get into the promise that we're talking about today. But continuing saying this in verse 17, correct your son. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. So in that particular passage, he's saying, listen, train up a child. And it, because if you don't, here's going to be, these are going to be the outcomes. So we're tying in, he's the light of the world. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is the light of the world, right? It doesn't matter who you are. If you have kids or if you're around kids, train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And then in verse 18, tying this into this week's promise, where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now, how does that tie in to this week's promise? Because in verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells them, listen, God hasn't forgotten about us. The promise of him coming is going to happen. It's what's going to take place. But God would not, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. The prophetic word that Jesus is coming is still true, and it's still true today. But people have forgotten that revelation. So that's how those tie in, these last three weeks of promises tie in. We can become discouraged, you know, when we don't see an immediate outcome or an immediate expected outcome. Maybe we've been waiting around for a long time. But you know what? That's why we need to be reminded over and over and over again. Again, number one, be reminded. Number two, I believe that Peter teaches us to be hopeful. Be reminded and be hopeful. Let's jump back over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Picking up in verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. You know, we can't really wrap our mind around that, and I think that's why God is telling us that is that, man, no, there's, there's been nobody in recent history who's even lived close to a 1,000 years. So we can't even fathom that. And I think that's why he, Peter tells us that and uses that example, because it's telling us that his ways are different than ours. Be patient. You know, God's not on our timeline. So in 
picking up in verse 9, the Lord is not slack. Our promise for this week, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. See, Peter reminds us to be hopeful. He reminds us to be hopeful, understanding that God's timing is much different than ours, totally different, that we should not be discouraged because God is faithful. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Come on, type that in. If you're able to do that, type that in. God is faithful. And as we're, as we're talking about faithfulness, I couldn't help, I'm sorry, hopefulness, um, Romans chapter 8. Jump over there. This is a great um, This is some great instruction on hope because maybe we think we're hopeful, right? But again, in that hope, we can become discouraged. Paul gives us a little bit of insight in Romans chapter 8 when he tells us these things. Verse 24, let's start there. Romans 8, 24, for we were saved in this hope. And that hope means the anticipation, you know, uh, and to anticipate with pleasure and to to the expectation or confidence, right? We have confidence. But hope, this is a little different. This trust, this is a trust. This is a, to confide in, right? This is a, a little different uh, translation or a little different meaning, but the same word. It says, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. It's not hope. It says, for why does one still hope, trust for what he sees? So you're seeing me. You're not hoping that I'm talking to you. You're seeing me. You're like, he's talking to me. He's, he's, he's helping. He's, you know, he's giving a, a message right now. You're not hoping that I am. I am. So, so that's not hope, uh, uh, Paul says. But in verse 25, he says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And I believe that Paul is tying this in, the same thing that Peter says. He says, listen, just wait and persevere. The, promises, the promise of, this, of Jesus' coming is going to happen. It's going to come true. Jump down to verse 28 of, of Romans chapter 8. And, and this is a very familiar passage. And we know that all things work together for, for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I was mentioning this in the small group that we're part of uh, this past week. You know, not everything is good. Let's just be real. Not everything is good, but everything works out for good, right? For those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. So we need to understand that. And so things are going to happen. That's what we're getting at. People are going to talk about you. You know, people are going to tell you some ideas that you say, oh, man, that, that sounds a little more uh, about, that sounds a little more what's happening now, if I could say that. And when we get caught up in that and we are not reminded and we're not hopeful about God's word, then we can become discouraged. But Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, this is Scott, one of Scott's favorite verses. This is kind of his life verse. Hope or expectation uh, deferred, which means uh, expectation that's drawn out. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire or the longing comes, it is a tree of life. So, yes, we have an expectation. And when we don't see those things happening, maybe you're, in a, maybe you're having a moment right now in your family. Let me just speak to you. Maybe you're having a moment in your family. Maybe you're having a moment in your finances. You know, maybe you're having an inward moment right now where you're going, you know what, I just don't see victory. 
I just don't see the Lord in this situation, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, be hopeful. Get into his word. Get into Romans chapter 8. Be hopeful. Let the word of God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and assure you that what God said is what he meant. And what God says is what he's going to do. So I want to encourage you in that. So what was the prophetic word for the people concerning the day of the Lord? Okay, we've got to our promise. We understand that, listen, those of us who serve Jesus, that's what this promise today is about. It is, it is for us, and it is for those who are not yet following him. Because God would, he wants everybody to, to serve him. He wants everybody to love Jesus. So, so both of us, you know, when I say both of us, I mean those who are following Jesus and even those who are not can benefit from this promise. But let's talk about it. So what is that prophetic word? Verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works uh, that are in, in it all will be burned up. Whoa, hold on. We just took a drastic turn from hope to and, and, and love and faithfulness and, and all this to He's coming as a thief in the night, and he's going to, and all this stuff's going to be burned up, and the heavens and the earth, and whoa, what, what? See, this is why I mentioned in the beginning that depending on what you were taught, you could be fearful about the day of the Lord. You know, I'm not talking about a reverent fear. I'm talking about scared fear. Why? If we do not have Jesus in our heart, we genuinely should have a fear that this is going to impact us in the way that it's saying. So, that's why we're talking about this today. And again, I'm not going to get into eschatology, if you guys know what that word means. I'm not going to get into that super deep. But I want to give you what Jesus himself even says about the coming, about his coming. In Matthew chapter, write this down, Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. Jesus says, for as, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west. What is that picture of? Just like that. Have you seen lightning crossing the sky? You, maybe you said, oh, that would have been a great picture. Just like that, it happens. Jesus paints this picture for us. This, it says, as, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. And that's talking about him. In 24, jumping down to verse 30 and 31, it says, then, then the sign of the the Son of Man will appear in the heavens. And I thought about all, you know, all those who, who superheroes. I thought of Batman. You know, it's like, hey, there's a sign that, that we, we need you. You know, I don't think that's what it's going to be like. I think it's going to be something that everybody sees at, this, at, at the same time. It says, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will, he will send his angels with a great sound of, tr of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other. The elect. Who's he referring to? He's referring to those who love and serve him. That's, what he, that's who he's referring to. So make no mistake, Jesus is coming for his bride. Second, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just write these down. You can go back and study them out later. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, 
and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Then he, I'm sorry, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm reminding you, I'm reminding you today that Jesus is coming for those who are his bride, those who have said yes to him. Be hopeful that Jesus is coming for his bride, for those of us who said yes and, are, and, and walk after him and serve him. And the third point is this, and I'm already, already into it. Be ready. Be ready. Be reminded, be hopeful, and be ready. Revelation chapter 1, John references this. We just read it in Matthew chapter 4, but in, in, John, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, and even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Those who pierced him, even those who say no to Jesus, even those who he died for and they didn't accept him, and even those who put him on the cross, nailed him, he's coming, and everyone will see him. A couple of more, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. See, his coming, he's coming for those who truly loved and served him. I want to point this out because we need to make a distinction for those who say, oh, I love Jesus, but their actions are totally opposite. You know, I could say that I love my wife and I love her with all of my heart. But if my actions say something different, she's going to look at me and say, I have proof that you don't love me. And then they list off all these different actions that I have done that said, here's proof. So I want to, I want to give you some, some, uh, some insight on the way that Jesus looks at our life and our relationship with him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, and maybe you've heard this passage, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done all wonders in your name? And then I will, de- then I will declare to them, this is Jesus talking, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I believe that some of these false teachers knew a little, probably knew enough about Jesus to say the right things, maybe to even do some of the right things. But when it came down to it, they were lawless. They didn't serve him. They didn't know him genuinely. They didn't put their faith in him. Now, I'm not saying be perfect. I don't, no one's perfect. Jesus said Jesus was. We should strive to be, but no one's perfect. That's not what I'm saying today. What I am saying is that Jesus knows our heart. That's what I'm saying today in this specific passage. And those people who say yes to Jesus through faith and they walk it out, that's who he's coming for. This prophetic word continues. This prophetic promise continues, and this is the last scripture I'm going to give you. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, says this. And and I want you to get this picture. I want you to see this in your mind's eye if you can. Then I saw a great white throne, and he who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The book of life. I want you to remember that. 
and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book in, in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each according to his works. In verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And here's what I want to point out. That's, a, that's a, an awe-inspiring scripture. Whatever way we look at it, that is an awe-inspiring passage of scripture. But verse 15 says this, and here comes the difference on what Peter was saying concerning scoffers and the people who he's talking to us to be reminded, to be hopeful, and to be ready. This is what he says. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So be reminded. Jesus is coming. He is. Be hopeful. Doesn't matter what people tell you. Doesn't matter what you see on the news. And hey, man, things are just getting bad. Okay. But be hopeful, you know, and be ready. So let's close out with this. Maybe you've heard this message today and you say, well, after what you've said, after looking at these scriptures for myself, don't just take my word for it. I want you to get into the scripture. Look at it yourself. Read it yourself. And after you do that and you say, look, I'm not ready. I'm, you're reminding me, and I'm hopeful, but quite, honest with you, quite honestly with you, Matt, I'm just not ready. We can get ready today. If you've never accepted Jesus in your life, or you say, you know what, I'm just not ready, and I know that in my heart, you know, we can, we can say yes to Jesus today because the Lord is not slack. He is, he's not. He is patient, and he's waiting for people to say yes to Jesus. You know, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that is our promise for today. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray right now for the word to go forth in the way that you intended it to. I pray for those who are listening right now, Lord, who don't know you, who are not ready. God, I pray that they would say yes to you, Jesus. I pray that they say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I recognize that I can't pay for it and that only you can. And through faith, they put their trust in you and they confess with their mouth that you are Lord. And they believe in their heart that you are raised from the dead. God, they are saved. So Lord, I pray that if someone today is hearing this message and they say, I want to say yes to Jesus, that they do that right now. And repenting of our sin means to change our actions, to turn around to do 180 on, the, on what we were doing, turn around and do what grace comes in. And, and that's where he does things that we just can't do. He provides a grace and takes away those things that we just can't take away. So Lord, I pray that right now grace would be on those who say yes to you right now. And Lord, I thank you that they are now part of the kingdom, that they can be rest assured that you are coming again. And Lord, for those who have given up hope, God, Jesus is coming again. I encourage every person listening today to be reminded that you are coming. God, that you are not giving up on anyone, but there will be a time that you're coming. And God, I pray that they would be encouraged. Lord, 
and they would be assured that you're coming for those who have said yes to you. So I pray that every person listening to this message has said yes to you at some point in their life, even if it was just a few minutes ago. And Lord, let this promise be understood and walked out. God, as we give you praise for it today, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Maybe you prayed something along the lines of saying yes to Jesus. Would you reach out to those who are in the chat on the online community? Just say, hey, listen, I said yes, because they want to reach out to you. They want to encourage you. Our, our team here loves reaching out and following up with those who say yes to Jesus, and we want to do that today. So you can do that in the chat. It doesn't matter if you're listening years from now. You do that, and you say, I said yes. We love you, and we thank you. Thanks for coming in and letting us be where you are. Thanks for, for saying yes to Jesus today for those who did. And be, 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 be. That's what Paul's teaching, or that's what Peter's teaching us. Be reminded, be hopeful, and be ready. God bless you.